Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. For years, we were stuck in a rut, always complaining that nothing ever changed for us. And then we realized, if we wanted to improve our lives, we had to put in the work. Each week on this podcast, we'll get into an aspect of personal growth, relationships, or just life. Through our own experiences and guest interviews, we hope to inspire you to make your own positive changes. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Podcast. Hey, y'all. Today, we are so excited to have Pamela Hawks with us. As a voice and creator of the Unapologetically Me blog, Pamela coaches and empowers women to be the best version of themselves. She provides member support as well as group lessons through her social media presence, and she's inspired by her own personal development journey. And when Pamela's not coaching, her passions lie in being a mama to three girls, ranging in age from a toddler to a teenager, and being a wife to her best friend and the biggest cheerleader. Pamela, thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thank you guys for having me. So we're so excited to have you here and we wanted to start out, we always have each of our guests start out with just sharing a little bit about their story and really their journey up until this point, just to give our audience a little background. Yeah, absolutely. So as you noted, I am a proud mom of three girls. Right now, the current age gap is a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and a 19-year-old. And so when I say that we have like all sorts of emotions going on in this house, uh, they're strong for sure. But really, my journey honestly started around personal growth when we added my third daughter to our family. I, I I thought it was everything I was, you know, I needed and wanted and, and I kind of crashed in a sense because I felt like I couldn't juggle and manage it all in my life. Um, I had this sense of feeling like I was supposed to be doing it perfectly and I just wasn't. And all the research I had done, it's hilarious how much we like Google, like, what's it like to have three, you know, three kids and mm-hmm. is adding a third easier than two. And, and I really was asking that question wrong, to be honest, because I had such a big age gap from the first to the second, it really was like having a first child again, when my, my middle child came in. So I should have been questioning, what is it like to bring two children so close in age? Because that threw me through a loop in really what was started like where I am today with um, having a blog and coaching women and just trying every day to show up as the best version of myself. I love that. So, oh my gosh, I cannot even imagine what it must have been like. We have two kids, a boy and a girl, and we are like, wow, anyone with three kids is a superhero because we we barely survive the day as parents of two. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard. And especially during these times, like just dealing with we are doing um, Zoom kindergarten, which is like chasing kittens. Um, Mm. So, you know, my oldest experienced her senior year, you know, or at the start of all of this. So just those emotions, losing a graduation and prom and all those things, you know, so it's been pretty chaotic in our house. Oh, my goodness. All right. So we know that we've seen you on social and and your blog and everything talking about the idea of identity. We pull our identity from so many different things. Can you tell us a little bit more what the struggle of finding your identity looked like? So you have this third child. It totally rocks your world. How'd you come from? I don't know what I'm doing to a place where you felt like you felt who you were. You knew who you were. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I remember it like so vividly. I had, I was very emotional, like after having her and I don't just think the pregnancy hormones again, I think just trying to feel like I was supposed to have this all figured out. I was supposed to know how do you go to a grocery store with two small children? Like I didn't actually like, where do you put the car seat? Where do you put the food? Where do you put the, the other child? Like, I just was like constantly beating myself up over not getting it right, I felt like. And so I was sitting by my Christmas tree and I was having a cup of coffee. And I remember just like crying, like nonstop crying and just like being mad at myself. Like all I wanted was everything that I had right? Everything. I have a beautiful marriage, these three healthy, beautiful girls, a job that I love, but I felt so empty. I felt so lost still. And I didn't understand why. And so it was in that moment that I realized like I had actually lost who I was as like a person. I was a mama and a wife. I was a leader, an employee, a friend, a sister, And I was the number one people pleaser, I think that I knew. And so, but at the end of the day, I just kept feeling empty and that just felt so off to me. And so it was in that moment that I really, I did like my own, which now I understand a lot of people do this, but like a visual practice of like, so who do I want to be? Like, who do I want to show up as? And I know that a lot of people do it um, big. They do like these big in 10 years or in five years. And I just wanted to survive through the new year, to be honest. I wanted to survive through like the first year of having three children. And so I made my my vision for like, who do I want to show up as on December 31st of 2019. So giving myself that year. And I really thought a lot about that. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to laugh more. I wanted to make myself a priority. So these are all kind of things I felt like I was having this vision of, of all of those emotions and things I wanted to show up as, but then I had to back into. So now what? right? Like what, what's the actual work that I need to do? And that's when I really, I put a lot of focus in on myself. I think as parents, oftentimes we're like number two or three or like right on like the list of priorities. And for once I decided like I was going to make myself a priority. Yeah. And that's, and that, like you said, I mean, there's some power in that because you, basically had built up in your mind, like where you wanted to be. And I know like for me, I was in the same place. I mean, it wasn't so much like in fatherhood or like with kids, but it was more in like career. Like I wanted to be at this certain point or have this, you know, have a house, have a wife, have like the two and a half kids and, you know, the white picket fence and all these things. And, and a lot of times I think most of us can get stuck in that, what you were saying where you're like, but wait, I have all those things now that the world's telling me I should, should have. So then why do I feel the way I feel? So it's like really powerful that you took that and and looked in the mirror and decided, you know, what you were going to do. And one of my favorite quotes, I can't remember who said it, but they're like, you have no obligation to be who you were five minutes ago, mm-hmm. like currently. So like you did that and changed that. So that's just some real power in that. So I props to you is what I'm trying to say there. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think like, 
I think we live in this world of shoulds, right? We should be all of these things. And I had a lot of guilt around that. I had this guilt of like, I should want to stay home and be a stay at home mama with these girls. Like I should want that. And, and it broke my heart. And like to say it out loud, like I didn't actually want that though. Like I am so proud of my career. I work full time outside of my home and have been in the same role for with the same company for 12 years now. And I was up for a promotion at that time too, but I felt like, no, I should not be excited to go back to work and to step into that promotion. I should want to be home with these kids and, you know, do all these things. And so I felt this disconnect over who everyone else thought I should show up as and who I wanted to show up as. So that was a really hard thing for me to get over and say like, let go of the guilt and like get back to like what you want. I give so much credit to stay at home mamas and, and for those that make the decision to, you know, work outside the home and it's hard, but we are all that we are good parents either side of that. And I think it's big in whichever way you step into. That's it's so funny that you're saying that you felt that guilt and that pull. Like I've literally never thought, Oh gee, I'd be such a great stay at home mom. Like it just doesn't interest me. I want to work. But even when you know those things about you, like it sounds like, you know, those things about yourself. It's just like you, you think, well, geez, now that I do have the two or the three kids, it seems like maybe this is something I should think that I want to do. And you feel like, I feel so weird that I don't want that. So like you, I had to like struggle with the fact that like, no, I'm, I'm anxious and ready to be at work. I, I don't have any desire to stay home and raise these kids on a 40 hour a week basis. I'd rather be at work and then come home to them and be excited to see them rather than burned out all the time. So love that. Love that. You just like had that realization and went with it. Yeah. It's good absolutely. to know you're not alone. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I think that's the thing, right? There's just, I think sometimes a lot of people do just feel alone in how they feel. And so to be able to speak on our different platforms, right? The blog and your podcast and like, say like to just share our stories and continue to remind people like you're not alone. Like, I think there's just so much comfort in that. Yeah. And I think the difficult part too, is like, especially, I don't know why more so for moms than dads, but like there's way more pressure put on y'all as far as you know, how you're expected to show up. Like if a dad went out and was like going to be real firm about going for his career, the world wouldn't think anything of it. But then you as moms or women want to do that. And then somehow it's like frowned upon, like you're being, you're being selfish, like the world. And I'm sure you might've believed that. Like when you were starting to think through those things, like you're being selfish because you're going to prioritize yourself. But we always say on this podcast, and I hope you would agree, I think you would, but that it's not selfish because by you showing up better for yourself, that means you can show up better for all the the tiny humans and spouses and everyone else around. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is my biggest thing. And through the coaching that I do with um, a group of women, I'm constantly talking about that. I just sent them a message today to say like, you have got to like recharge and take care of yourself today so that you are able to show up because otherwise we, you know, if we don't feel full and complete, then how are we ever going to like take care of anyone else? And I think that's the thing. We just expect that like we have to pour out, pour out, pour out, and we're never, you know, refilling. How do you deal with some of the guilt that comes from 
taking the time, like actually doing the refill, because I know for me, it was a long struggle and I still struggle with it. Like, I think that every single minute of my life, I should be doing something. And if I am not, then I am failing. So did you ever struggle with that? And how did you kind of come through that? Yeah, no, I definitely did. Especially at the start, I was, I struggled with that a lot. And I mean, my mental health was not good. My physical health was not good. Um, I had nothing like growing up, I was a dancer. And so I never, I didn't have an outlet like that anymore. And so it took a lot of communication with my husband, to be honest, to say like, I need to take care of me and I need to figure out actually what I want to do to take, like, what do I want that to look like? Cause I didn't even know anymore because all of my roles had like, I, my day was filled with roles and things I was, you know, had to do. And it took me a little while to figure out like what, you know, what made my heart happy. And again, I had to, like, I really thought a lot about like, so where do I feel full? And um, luckily being in New Hampshire, we're near so like, the ocean and like the water just makes me happy. And so I made it a point and told my husband, like, make me like do this. Like, I don't ever want to say like, Oh, I don't need to do it today, but I wanted to get out on my paddleboard. I wanted to do beach yoga before, you know, the weather, all the snow comes here. And, um, I wanted to do it weekly. Like I wanted to not break my prom, like that promise to myself. And so I used to put it on my family calendar. We share like a Google calendar on our phones and I would put it in like I would a doctor's appointment, to be honest. Like, and I just told myself, like, I am not to break that promise. And even if my work said like, oh, you need to stay late or whatever, like I had an appointment. I couldn't break. I mean, if it was like, really, I had to fine. But like, I mean, it took a lot for me to move that. And again, I had to have that conversation with my husband to say, I, I need this, but in return, he needs that too. Right. And so we actually have this thing that we do on Sundays called our operations meeting. And we like sit down, the kids are in front of the TV and we have like our cup of coffee and we talk about the week. Like what is our work schedules look like? Where are we going to get our physical, you know, activity in and like where, where else do we need to show up for one another? Because it's not just about one or the other. It's about both of us showing up to be our best selves. So that really allowed us to to hold each other accountable that we were doing that. But it took a little while, like I said, to figure out like, so what did I actually want to do? Because I didn't know anymore. I know. I totally feel you. It took me I started running, but I only started running like a couple of years ago. So like you, I was just doing nothing. I mean, like you said, you weren't in good mental or physical health. Me too. Like I feel that very much. And it just was like, I don't even know. I don't even know what to do. Like, how do you even determine that? But I love what you were saying about you and your husband doing the meetings. I think everybody should do some form of that. We don't do like a formal sit down meeting, but we definitely have like the Google calendar. We definitely have a document every week that says what we're doing when. And we have like regular running nights where he's on Monday, Wednesday, I'm on Tuesday, Thursday. Like we have it all figured out because those week, I mean, weekends are a little bit easier, but those yeah. weekdays are dang you. If you don't plan it, it's not going to happen. Like there is no random Tuesday night run. Like if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. <laughs> exactly. That's so true. Yeah. And you touched on something really powerful there too, that I don't want people to miss, but you said you not only plan it, but you prioritize it. You say, no, no, this is like an appointment on my calendar, much like a doctor's appointment, much like a business meeting. Much like, I don't know, one of your kids sporting events, like it doesn't matter. Like that is something and it's, it's a non-negotiable because I think that's the first thing that falls off of people's list. 
their self is the first thing that always is going to fall off, especially as a parent. And sometimes, yes, that has to happen. I get it. You know, we live in this world. We're in 2020. It can happen. But I think it's important to make sure that you're doing exactly what you said. It's a non-negotiable and it's not going to be always the first thing to fall to the wayside when everything else is, is kind of falling down around you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's funny that you said about running. So I started running in March. I don't know why. I just was like, what else do we have to do? So like I did the Couch to 5K program. And so I ran my first 5K in May, uh, which was like virtually, but super exciting. But talk about guilt. I would be like putting my sneakers on and my littlest would be like, you run, you run. And I'm like, yeah, mom's going to go. I come with you. I tried that twice, pushing a stroller. (laughs) No more, no more. Like it's I was like, no first, joke. It's no joke. And second, this is my time. Like I'm going out. But yeah, it's so running. I was like, that is a different run when you're pushing a stroller. Oh, I like if we don't run together, I I barely make. Like I can't even take it alone. Like I will not take the stroller alone because yeah. it's too ridiculous. It's, I mean, and you know, two kids. That's a lot of weight. That's so much weight. <laughs> Pamela, we talked a lot about, we've been talking a lot about motherhood. I wanted to switch a little bit and just talk about when we're discussing identity, like what, where are you finding that like the women you work with or people you've talked to, where else do they seem to find their identity? Because for example, for me as like a a father, I mean, I, that is part of me. That's part of my identity, but I, I don't feel like really that's a core of, of, who I am as like a man or a person. I mean, I guess it is, I I don't want to downgrade it too much, but it's way more so toward the women as far as like society would pose it, I guess. But where else are people finding their identity? Because I know a lot of people can struggle in different areas and I want to make sure we touch on that as well. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I, I think a lot of the people are parents not everyone that I work with is though but still like they still have other roles right like as an employee they're working through having healthier boundaries between like work and and life you know and and finding that they don't especially right now a ton of people are working from home right and so creating a boundary between like when work is happening at home like life needs to happen at home so like I think there's a lot of people wrapped up in that identity that like they're just on all the time with their you know with their workplaces um I think a lot of people have um issues that they're struggling with like oh when their children graduate and move on. And now who are they now? Right. Like they're going off to college and like my, the last 18 years have been dedicated to them and their sports. And so again, who am I now as this person sitting in this house experiencing empty nest? I think a lot of people also struggle with previous versions of themselves. And I I can give a perfect example of myself, but a story that I share a lot in my journey and on my the blog is I put myself in a really bad financial situation many years ago. And, and so now it looks very different for me, but I still have this version of myself that I feel as though like, that's who I am, right? I'm not good with money. I'm I've messed up and all of that. And so I think I, we are experiencing a lot of people who are maybe stuck in previous versions of themselves, limiting beliefs, that make them really feel like that's who they are forever and trying to dig in and show them like to help speak truth to those things to say that might have been who you were then let's honor that because that 
that version of you helped to get you to where you are today. And let's speak truth into like what that version of you looks like today. So there's like a lot of that. There's many layers. There's a lot of people who feel like they're broken, you know, and that they'll always just be broken um, for whatever reasons. And so again, just trying to unpack that and show like bad things happen. And, and so we can move forward and not allow that to be our identity, right? Like for so long, I was, I identified and I was a single young mom um, with my oldest. And so that's just who I was, you know? And so it's just like a lot of people who have these, I would say that's the biggest bucket is like these previous versions that they're still kind of holding on to because they think like, oh, that's who I am when that's actually not the truth anymore. What's your biggest or best advice for somebody that is struggling with those past versions of of themselves? Yeah, I definitely think like trying to find the truth in it, which can be super hard. I am a huge advocate for writing. I call it like get your crazy out. That's like honestly what I tell like my people all the time, like just just write. Like when you feel like you have this narrative that's just kind of spiraling and it's like I'm not enough statements, right? You know, like just just kind of writing it out and letting all that crazy and that blah come out, but then making sure that you then speak to it right and try to prove it wrong like you know like I'm not good with money and all of the things that you know happen with that it's like I have one credit card I'm almost out of debt or my house is going to be paid off soon like I'm actually good with money right like and then you're like oh like I think that once it comes out of your mind and out of your heart, like you can see it when it's written down and people can tell you it to the blue in the face, right? My husband tells me all the time, you're so much better. You're so good. You have to believe it. You have Mm -hmm. to, you know, like to understand it. And so I just think that the practice of doing the writing is really, it's been really powerful for me. And why I started the blog, to be honest, I started the blog totally by accident because I was, I was just writing. My husband's like, you should share these things. And I was like, who's going to watch or read besides like my mom? Like no one. (laughs) Like, you know, but more people did because I think they resonated with the fact that like all the things that I thought I was, a lot of people think that too. I love that. We were just recently in a training and one of the people leading the training was talking about those past beliefs that you were just talking about. And one of the questions that really resonated with me, I've been using a lot lately for myself is how is that serving you? Mm. So like, that past person, that past belief, that negative belief, maybe that down talk, your subconscious mind, whatever you want to call it, like, how was that serving you? Yeah, you might have been bad with money in the past or had that bad experience. But thinking about it now in your current state, when you're so much further along and you're trying to progress, like, then how is it serving you to go back there? And so I, I really find like, that's a pretty powerful thing. And I often talk to our listeners about that. Like, it's just how are these things serving you? Because many times like looking at where you've been is important. I mean, don't forget about where you've been because there's a lot of growth in that, but then there's no need once you've worked through that to continue to go back and pull yourself back there because that's not you anymore. Right. And (laughs) don't worry because he's totally been like, Meg, how is that serving you today? Like every time I'm like, you know what? It's not okay. Thank you. That's so funny. No, it's so true. Like I just did a post recently because I saw this quote that was so awesome. It was like, does your neck hurt? Because like you keep looking back, like stop Mm. looking back, right? Like let's just, 
let's just move forward. But it's so easy to do. And you're so right. Like what's, it's not serving you. And the words that I've been trying to find lately is like, I just want to, I want to honor that. Right. Like, cause that is, that was a part of me and that was a part of you and let's honor it. Let's respect that. Like let's acknowledge that maybe that was hard and it was difficult and it was yucky, but like, it got you to who you are today. Like every single thing that I went through or any of us went through is like why we're standing here doing the things that we're doing, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so like, I think too, like with one of the things I want to touch on with identity and I hope you can speak to this too, is I feel like a lot of the identity things, like whether you're a mom or like, for me, it seemed to like me in the past was like my career. Any of those things, it's like, I tied my worth to that. So like me as a person, I tie my worth to that. So like you said, as a mom, okay, but then what happens when your kids move out or as a career? Okay. What happens if you lose that job? Like a lot of people have lost their jobs this year. So then where are you finding your worth? Because if you're putting your worth all in that part of your identity, then how are you finding your worth? So like, what do you believe the worth works into that? And and how do you work around that? Oh my gosh. I just did a post a couple of weeks ago. So you guys are going to have to like link to it, but all about worth and how mm. for my entire life up until this year, I think I have wrapped my worth on external, making other people happy, making other people proud, making other people not disappointed in me. Something I'll share with you is like, I, as a child experienced a lot of people in my life who like, I'm a child of divorce. And so like people would leave, you know, and, and so like my worth, like left in that, like, I'm not worthy enough of love. And I mean, just all the things. Right. And so it wasn't until recently, like through this and like a lot of therapy that I realized like, wow, like I need to like love myself, like unconditionally for all I'm not perfect by any means, but if I love myself enough, then that's all that matters. And everyone else will come on in and they will love on me too, or like show how proud, but like, I have to have the confidence, the strength, like all of that to, to define my worth. And like, these young ladies, these girls are watching me, right? And I don't want them to start, you know, having their worth wrapped up in like disappointing us as parents or whatever, you know, um, we're already trying to start that, that conversation now with them, but worth is everything. And I think so many of us wrap it onto external things like, I'll be worthy when I get the promotion. I'll be worthy when I get, you know, out of debt, when I get the house, when I buy the car, when I do the thing. And if we don't get it, then we're a disappointment and a failure. If we do get it and it didn't actually make us happy, like then what, like you, you just go on to the next thing. And I think that's something that this period of really a lot of being at home for us has done for us too, is like, we have actually been very fortunate to be, healthy, but we have also found a lot of joy in spending a lot of time at home. And I think that speaks volumes to like the unit that we've created under this roof because we didn't need external things to make us happy during this time. I hope that that makes sense, but that all kind of plays into like that, that worthiness of not needing all those things to feel like I'm enough. I, you know, I'm, I'm so happy for you that you have this little unit of yours that you guys have been rocking it out at home. I love that. That makes my heart happy for you. And I know we were just talking about worth. I want to spin it just a little tiny bit. It's, it's worth, but not sort of 
kind of. <laughs> um, so, okay. Basically, I know that with worth, it's a lot of wrapped up in what other people think of you. So mm. what happens and how do you deal, not you specifically, how do people, how do we deal with when we have to tell somebody no, and we don't want to feel inconsiderate. We don't want to be rude. We don't want to come off that way. And we're trying to people please. And we're trying to do all the things and we still want to be worthy in our own eyes. And then their eyes, how do we do, how do we deal with that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good one. So again, like the former people pleaser in me was always like a yeser in everything. And I had to learn that every time I said yes to someone else, I was saying no to myself or to my family. And so every time, like, I feel like I personally, and I, I see it in some, in a lot of the um, people I connect with, like they get anxious or experience anxiety or stress. And I think that we are seeing that more and more when there's like a disconnect on like how they're showing up and what they're doing for others versus what they actually want to do. Right. So like not saying no to not saying no to someone, even though like you really want to, because you don't want to hurt someone's feelings or make them upset. And so I think it's just the reminder of like, if it's not a heck yes for you, then, then it should probably be a no. And it doesn't need to be like a rude. No, it can be, you know, like the holidays coming up is like a perfect example of like, everyone's going to be putting out there what they want to do. And like, if you don't feel comfortable, like just acknowledging, like, this is a really hard conversation for me, but like, I'm not comfortable doing this thing. That doesn't mean that I don't love and respect you, but like, this is what's best for us right now. Right. And like, I think we can do it in a super respectful way. And Unfortunately, people are going to get upset, right? Like when you say no to someone, how they receive it is on them. Um, that's you can't own that, right? Like that's that's a huge part. Right. It's so funny that you said that because we're actually working on an episode right now about surviving the holidays with that in mind. Because now more than ever, it's like you feel all the pressure from family and friends and people pulling you all kinds of different ways, and like. Like we've already said, I mean, we have two small kids. So like a lot of the stuff has happened at our home. And so like, if you want to do it, that's great. You can come over to our house and that's where we're going to do it. And like, it's not always popular, but our kids are a mess. If we do that, like we're originally from Michigan and we would always travel every year up there at Christmas. We stopped doing that once we had kids because we simply can't do that. It's, it's a mess. They're miserable. We're miserable. In turn, everyone's miserable. It's like, why are, why are, at one point we got there, we're like, what are we doing to ourselves? And so it's funny that you said that because, like, we're working on, we were just talking about that before we jumped on this call about that and just like the pressure that's being put on people right now in the holiday season. So (laughs) I love that you said that. And I'm sure there'll be all kinds of additional opinions and thoughts this year with COVID. So every family's (laughs) going to be a hot mess. Yes. The holidays are going to be like a whole other added (laughs) stress and anxiety for sure. So for the people, I know we've talked a lot about identity. We've talked about worth. So the people that are feeling lost or they're feeling trapped in their current circumstance, maybe, because I know a lot of people can feel like this is where I am and and this is who I am and and I I might want something different, but how do I get out of that? What tips do you have for someone who's kind of in that space of either not knowing what to do at all, or they just feel a little bit empty and they feel like they want to strive for more? Like what, what can they do? Yeah, I really, I think that the first step for me was that like, that visual like practice that I did. And again, like, it is super exciting to do like a vision, like, five or 10 years out and say, like, I want to 
live in this town and have this type of house and drive this type of car and all of that. And I think that that's, that's awesome. But sometimes I think like just getting to the end of the year and, and telling myself or, you know, using that practice to say like, who do I want to show up as on December 31st of, you know, 2020, like, cause that, that feels really big to people, right? Like just in like a year. And then when you have that vision, like, you know, again, like going and like writing it out and like thinking really about like who that person is, like, like I said, like, am I joyful? Do I laugh more? Am I in good physical and mental like health, you know, shape? And, and then from there, like backing into like, so what do I need to do in order to get there? Cause I think that's the overwhelming part, right? Like we have like these really huge goals and then we're like, super overwhelmed by like, uh, how do you actually do the thing to get there? And so um, the, what I have been working with um, my community on is like breaking it down so that even if you do it quarterly, you know, um, you have like a quarterly goal that will help you ultimately get to the bigger goal at the end of the day. And then from there, each quarter, like you break it out like monthly. So here's a silly example. I made a pact with my husband and my brother-in-law. They were like, they are very big into biking and I uh they were gonna try to hit it was back in 2019 they were gonna hit 2019 miles in that year on their bikes and I was like I got this I can do this and so that was really a lot of miles and it was super hard but what I told myself like I got a stationary bike and I took that really big number that 2019 and I broke it down like how do I want to do it in quarter one quarter two quarter three like how am I going to get to that bigger thing um numbers just works better for me I'm doing this I hope that's okay and then each month what I had to do to back into it but I really think that like with any goal of who you want to show up as and what your identity can be at the end of that year, if you just break it out, like if you want to make a a health goal for yourself, if you want to start a side hustle, if you want to do anything, like just breaking it down so that it feels more manageable because the second that you don't, you're just going to get super overwhelmed. But I love what you were just saying about planning it. And uh, for the people that are, obviously most of you are listening, they can't see behind us, but we have, we use the scrum method. And so like you do three different columns. So you put down all the things that you need to work on in the one column. They're not necessarily doing them right now, but these are all the things you need just for posterity's sake. So you know that they're there. Then you have the middle column of the things you're actually doing right now, currently, which would only be like one to two things. And then your finished column, because we can get a lot of caught up on all the things that need to be done, but then we lose track of the things that we've already completed and how great we've done and all the small wins we've had along the way. And so we've really been using that method recently to get through a big project we're working on, but it can be used for anything big or small. So I like the idea of planning it into small bite-sized chunks because like you said, otherwise you're just going to drive yourself crazy. And I think it keeps it actionable too, because when you're just like, I want to be healthy, then like, okay, if you don't put it, if you don't break it down into a step, then you're like, okay, well, am I, did I do it? I don't know. Maybe. Right. Yeah. And I think that is like something that a lot of people are focusing on right now is their health. And so they might say like, you know, they might have it be like a physical, like I want to work out 300 times in the year. Right. And then they're like breaking it out by quarter by month on how they're going to get there. And then halfway through the year, we kind of have like a touch base. Like, so how's it going? Like that's going, it's going really well, but like, 
I'm eating all the pie. I'm eating all the chips. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, all right, well, so for the next six months, let's have like this sub thing of like, what are we doing around like nutrition? Right. And I'm by no means like an expert on nutrition or anything, but like, I just feel like we know don't eat all the chips, right. We know like what what we need to do. And so I think having those touch bases too on what do we need to keep adding in, like reevaluating it, like Mm -hmm. as you go, because if you just, it can also get boring, you know, or you just like kind of just stay neutral. So I love that though. I'm going to have to look into that. Yes. yes. <laughs> the last thing I want to talk to you about, because I just love the name of your blog, the unapologetically me blog. So I wanted you to define for us and the audience here, what does it mean to live unapologetically? Oh, you guys, it means showing up. However I am today. If you follow me, you know, like one day I'm like fired up and I'm like, everyone's cheerleader and I'm doing all the things. And the next day I'm like, I've been sitting in a puddle of tears and (laughs) like my children all hate me and it's fine. Like, you know, I just, every day, I just feel like we have to be so truthful of who we are. I was listening to your podcast that aired about perfect, you know, attempting to be perfect. And it's so true. Like more and more people need to say like, I do not got it. Like it might seem like I have it. I don't have it like by no means. And so unapologetically me, just it's whatever version rolls out of bed that, you know, that morning, I just want to be truthful, but I also don't want to beat myself up. Right. And if I was like rocking it yesterday and today, I'm just like, can barely show up, like have grace, acknowledge that today is that day. And like, let's try again tomorrow, like the next day, you know, it's always, there's always a new opportunity. So I try not to sit in it a lot, but I definitely don't ignore it or hide it. I think that's a beautiful ending to this episode. But before we go, I do want to have you sell sell yourself a little bit. Where do people find you? How do they find out more about you? Awesome. Thanks. So I have the blog itself, which is the unapologetically me blog.com. Um, and then I'm on Instagram and Facebook at the unapologetically me blog. But I also have like a little tribe that I've created of women who just there's about 300 women who are like minded people just trying to show up as their best versions of themselves every day. And that's over, I think it's just called the unapologetically me tribe um, over on Facebook. So it's just a place where we kind of lift each other up and support each other. And that's what I'm doing right now. Love it. Love it. Pamela, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you for all the work you're doing with women and just all the work you're doing in this space and the knowledge you brought for our audience. Oh, thank you guys. It was such an honor talking to you. And I just appreciate the value that you are adding into everyone's lives. Likewise. Hey B, what did you think of that episode? I think it was pretty dang good. Well, what should someone do if they enjoyed these last 30 minutes? They should probably head over and leave us a review so we can reach more people. They definitely should. Guys, if you like the Fools in Love podcast, please go follow us over on Instagram at Fools in Love Podcast. We'd love to connect with you and learn more about what you'd like to hear. 